Well, can I add my welcome to Adrian? It's good to see you along tonight. Uh, thank you for those that have come along uh, under invitation tonight, even one or two surprise visitors. So we thank you for coming along. I know others have suggested that they might listen in. So if you're listening in again, thank you uh, for doing that. If you were out last Sunday night, but not out this morning, you might be surprised to see me up here. Well, if you've been speaking to me on Thursday morning, I wasn't expecting to be here, uh, just with the way things worked out, just Johnny and me chatting over um, by text, really. Um, I didn't volunteer, I would suggest, I think I agreed uh, to give him a testimony tonight. One thing, Adrian mentioned about three hours, the services are out in Ivory Coast. I can guarantee you that it'll not be three hours. Uh, the one thing I was interested in, I think, thought Adrian was going to demonstrate a jive to us, but I think he just realised at, the, at the, the last minute that that maybe wasn't uh, just a thing for him this evening. So thank you, Adrian, uh, for leading off and for uh, your encouragement and welcome to me. It has been strange over the last uh, three, four days, just reminisc reminiscing on the Lord's hand in my life, and it's been a blessing, and just it's been good to look back over that. Uh, try and give things a wee bit of structure. I've tried to put things under the heading of first things. So I'm going to mention a few first things uh, over the years. So hopefully that will keep us on track. The best place to support, start, I suppose, is at the beginning. I was born on the 17th of January, 1968. Adrian wasn't very long after that, maybe just a few months after, a year and a bit after that. But um, 17th of January, 1968, I was born into a very secure and loving home, which I'm thankful for, and I was the younger of two boys. First memories, I believe I had a happy childhood. I loved sport. Those that know me now know I still love sport. I was never happier than whenever I either had a ball in my hand or a ball at my feet. I was always happy, could amuse myself with that, and I probably still could do that, to be fair, but I always was keen on my sport. I was actually a very cautious child, a deep thinker, even whenever I was very young. Having said that, that I was a cautious child, I probably had two sort of major incidents whenever I was at primary school. Uh, the first was a motorbike accident, and um, I don't exactly remember what age I was, but I know I was young enough that I still had my first teeth. That was before the accident. So um, we had a wee motorbike. It wasn't a proper motorbike for riding around the fields in those days, it was just a wee road bike, and we, we were actually going around the field and I didn't quite make the corner, and there was probably what you term in the country a big shock, and I ended up in the big shock. I should say, actually, we didn't really have helmets on. I had this old cork helmet. I had an uncle who had a bike many years before, and he had a cork helmet, so we had this cork helmet on. No gumsh, no mouth guard, no protection for that at all. I ended up down there, and I ended up knocking my two front teeth out. Um, I think my parents, this was a field close to where we lived. I think my mum heard me coming, screaming up the road, that was probably a good sign, the fact that I was still able to do that. So whilst she knew there were problems, at least I was still able to run up the road. But uh, that was, um, say, an experience at that stage. Around that time as well, um, where we lived, out beyond the spa, uh, where my folks lived at that stage, there was quite a steep hill, and the cars actually flew down that hill. They really did. They were mid-air going down the hill. Um, one day, I ran out in front of a car. Thankfully, it was coming up the hill and not down the hill, but I was actually knocked down by the car. Um, I say again, must have been five or six at that stage. Can't remember just exactly what age I was. The thing I actually do remember about it, I do remember like a numb feeling down my side. I can still remember that, that numb feeling down my side. I can remember my dad gathering me up, 
Probably shouldn't have, because you know, but he gathered me up and carried me up to the house. Eventually, I was carted off to hospital. Spent a couple of nights in hospital, but thankfully, nothing uh, was broken, and it was just sort of beat up and bruised a bit. So those were a couple of incidents. And why I mention those is, as I look back on those and think back on those, I can see even God's hand in my life even back then. Even though I wasn't a child of God then, I could see his preserving hand in my life even back in those early days. So that was first memories. The next thing I just thought about was the first time that I heard the gospel. I didn't grow up with a knowledge of the gospel, um, but probably worth explaining to folks, maybe, and even those listening in, just what the gospel is in a nutshell, because the first time I heard it, really, if you like, it means good news. But before we actually understand good news, we have to realize what the bad news is. And really, the bad news is that sin separates us from God. But the good news is that Christ died, that he might be our Savior, that he might take that sin away, and that he might cleanse us from our sin. And the first time I heard the gospel was probably in my early teens. It was at a BB Bible class. Uh, it was a man called Norman Brown, who's in glory now. Norman was a great help to me in those days. And he was speaking on the Lamb's Book of Life. I'd never heard anything about it, really. And really, it was obviously referring to people's names being written in heaven. I'd never heard anything about it, and he explained the gospel, and this was new to me. And so the BB had a big influence in my life in those days, and through the Bible class and through other things that I heard the gospel there. And God did begin to work in my life. I began to come under conviction, and really to mean that I was conscious of my sin, and I was conscious of my need of a Savior, and the Lord was working in my life. One other meeting I can remember being in in those days, again, was Norman Brown took me along. I was in the Mission uh, Christian Workers Union Hall in Balnehinch, and the preacher was the Reverend uh, Sam Workman. He probably moved about in the platform a bit more than I will do tonight, but again, hearing the gospel uh, in those days for the first time. Uh, the other thing I, I probably heard for the first time back in those days, and this was really, I was in high school now, I went to Annadale in Belfast, that's now uh, Wellington. Uh, uh, Annadale and Carlin joined together to form uh, Wellington. But um, I've heard there the first time about the Lord's return. And again, we don't like to throw out uh, things like that without explaining them, but really, we've already mentioned that Jesus died, but he rose again and he ascended to heaven and he promised that one day he's coming back again. And he's coming back for those who are his own, and for those who are not his own, will be left behind. And so I heard that for the first time uh, whenever it was at Annadale. I had a friend there, uh, a friend called Philip, and he was a backslider at this stage. That really means that he had, he had trusted the Lord early in life, but he was walking away from the Lord. And him and I uh, should have been in class. We weren't. We were up sitting beside the rugby pitches. I can still picture it as clearly. There was a bank. We were sitting on, the, on this bank, and I have no idea how the conversation came up. But he started to explain to me about the Lord's return, something I'd never heard about before. And I can't remember exactly all that he said to me at that stage, but it became a knowledge that the Lord could come back at any time, and he still could come back at any time. We believe, you know, we look at world events, that he could come back very soon indeed. And, you know, that thought never left me after that. Uh, this, this, this will make you smile, but this is, um, again, how the Lord can work in our lives. I, I remember, actually, I would have wakened up in the middle of the night and actually wondering, had the Lord come back again? And if he had come back again, how would I know? Because I was in that room, and I'd have been left behind. And I knew that, actually, there were, there were folks that were on the school bus to go to Belfast that were saved. And I remember waking up one morning and wondering whether the Lord had come back again. And so really what I thought was, well, 
whenever I, get, I had to get one bus on the Balanhines and then another bus to Belfast. And whenever I got so far and these Christians got on the bus and knew the Lord hadn't come back again. And that might seem strange, but that is absolutely true. And that was on more than one occasion because the Lord was challenging me and I was fearful uh, that he would come back again and that I could be uh, left behind. Uh, next thing I just want to mention was some, uh, some tragedy. First tragedy that I really explained or experienced in my life. I was about 15 years of age and a very uh, close friend took his own life. And that was a shock to us. And I was probably a year older. He, I was 15, he was about 14. And this young man actually uh, took his own life. And I can, the thing that really reminds me, remember more about that was just the devastation in that home that that brought um, him taking his own life. And really why I mention that is that clearly that's an increasing problem in society today. And just there may be somebody listening in or somebody hearing of it. You ever find yourself in that situation Please speak to somebody, Take, reach out, look for help and support the people that are around you there to help you in that situation. But that had an impact on my life as a young man. And a further tragedy again uh, come across our paths uh, a year or so later. Uh, another friend, a member of a, a different friendship group, uh, some will know here probably Trevor McNeese. He was killed in a car accident. And Trevor wasn't living as he should have been, but he had trusted Christ as a savior early in life. And that brought a great peace to that home. I remember that that sort of struck me at that stage, the difference in that home, the peace that there was in that home in the midst of tragedy, knowing that Trevor, even though the tragic circumstances of a long, young life snatched away, the actual difference that that made to that home. But the thing again that spoke to me was, I knew I could very easily have been the one in that car. That particular night, there were many other nights, I would have been the one in the car with the driver. Trevor wasn't driving, clearly, at that age. But I could easily have been in the car and not Trevor. And again, that continued uh, to speak to me. So, so these are some of the things that the Lord used, I believed, and allowed to come into my uh, circumstances uh, to bring me to the point where I saw my need of a Savior. All these events led up to, really, the summer of 1985. I was 17 years of age at that stage. I mentioned that BB had had a big influence in my life. Each year, the BB had a camp. The Down Battalion, the Boys Brigade came together, and we went away on a camp, generally to somewhere in England. There were brilliant times. But this camp we went on, there was a man called Merle Morrow uh, was there to take the devotions. He was actually from Lisburn. And he shared the devotions each, maybe two, three times a day, or once a day. I can't remember the exact detail of that. but. Um, we also had sport at it, and I loved my sport, and Merle was looking after the sport. So I got very close to him, I got lots of really good chats with him, and he made a really big impression on my life. And little did I know then, whenever we returned home from camp, that uh, Merle was actually taking a youth weekend in Ballinahinch Congregational, and that he'd mentioned to the folks there that there was young men, there's two or three of us young men that had been on that camp were from the Ballinahinch area, and so they were praying for us and knew that we were under conviction and considering the things of God. In August that year, that was July, in August that year, I was invited to a gospel meeting in Ballinahinch Baptist Church. And the funny thing about it was, before I went out to the meeting that night, I knew I was going to get saved. I hadn't come to that real, but I just knew in my mind and that that night was the night for me that I would get saved. The visiting speaker that night was Jackie Hughes. I don't really remember exactly what he spoke on, but my memory is just realizing that Christ had died for me. Before that, really that night, my knowledge and understanding, I knew that Christ had died for the world, if you like, but that night it became personal to me. I knew that he had died for me, and I realized that was the night that I needed uh, to make a decision. There's a, there's a verse, a lovely verse, probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it says, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, there's a coffee bar on in the Ballon House at that stage. Um, after the service, we were invited along, and there was different things took place there, but um, Chrissy's brother, David, and it's good to have him with us here tonight, he came alongside me at that coffee bar, and he simply explained to me the way of salvation. He broke it down nice and simple for me, that it was just coming and acknowledging that we're a sinner and simply trusting Christ, asking him to take our sins away and trusting him for time and for eternity. And so that was, there's other things happened that evening before I got home. It was into the, the, the early hours of the next day, the Monday morning, uh, before I got home. But really, I got down beside my bed, and I just simply asked the Lord to save me. And that's exactly what he did. I had probably lots of questions that I hadn't got the answers for. I hadn't figured everything out clearly. I wasn't a theologian then. I'm not a theologian now. But um, all I knew was that I needed to be saved, and I knew where that help could be found and I trusted the Lord Jesus as my Savior. One of my favorite uh, stories in the Bible is, that, um, is about Peter. And Peter, you know, one of the disciples, and he was out on the water with the Savior, and he started to sink, and he was going underneath the water, and he looked at the Savior, and he simply cried out, Lord, save me, or Lord, rescue me. And the Lord reached down. Immediately, it says, the Lord reached down and lifted him up. And that's exactly what happened to me that night. It wasn't drowning in water. I was drowning in my sin, if you like. And I just simply cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately he reached down and he saved me. And he saved me for time and for eternity. The scary thing is that was nearly 40 years ago. And that's one of the things maybe as you consider these things, it, it's frightening. Life changed for me. The habits changed. Language certainly changed. But one of the biggest changes I would actually say is that my outlook changed I really, I, I sort of struggled a bit as young, a deep thinker about purpose in life. And really now I found that I got new purpose in life, living for the Lord. And a new destination, if you like, for eternity. That's heaven with my Savior. So that made a big change in my life. I'm going to think about that of a few more uh, firsts for you that uh, I want to share with you as well as we think about that new life in Christ. You know, one of the important things about the Christian life is prayer. And Johnny's been speaking to us about prayer on a Sunday morning. And really, I can remember the first time that I was really conscious of the Lord answering prayer in my life. Um, I was actually to help doing exams, believe it or not. I um, did okay at school at this stage, but I really was underperforming to what I should have been done. And I, I struggled, like, and I know a lot of you will be able to identify us, but I, I struggled with settling down and not getting distracted and uh, doing as much revision as I should have. And really, I, just, I do remember asking the Lord to help me, not pass the exams, but to help me to revise. And he did. And I really was able to settle, picking me up a sixth year and then through into university. I was conscious of the Lord's help and been able to sort of study and settle down to do that. So that was really one of my first recollections of the Lord answering prayer. The other thing that we look for from the Lord is also leading. And one of the first examples of leading, and whenever I mention some of these things about here, I don't want to give the impression that I'm conscious of the Lord's leading in every step in my life. That's just certainly not the case. But I was conscious of his leading in some of the really big decisions in my life. And uh, finished university and then started uh, to have a look for a job. The obvious place, I did aerospace engineering at Queen's. So the obvious place to go was to go to Shorts. Um, and that's where I did end up. But I remember um, I'd been to Shorts. I'd done my interviews in Shorts. And then I'd gone over to British Aerospace. They have a number of sites over in England. And it was, sort of, it was very impressive what they were offering and the, the development you had. And it all seemed so impressive. And I remember coming home on the flight from Manchester 
and really saying to the Lord, like, you know, what it is that you want me to actually to do here? And I got home that night, and there was an envelope sitting in the house that had come that day, and opened it up, and it was my job offer uh, from Shorts. And so I took that as the Lord's leading, and that's where I went. Now, we just shouldn't always follow circumstances. That can be dangerous at times, but in the context of how this happened, I was conscious that it was the Lord's uh, leading from my life. That was nearly 35 years ago. Uh, Shorts has been good to me. It's changed names a couple of times. It went from Shorts to Bombardier, and it's now Spirit Aerosystems, but I'm still there. And it's been good to me, as I said. It hasn't been perfect, and sometimes things change, and maybe the old folks like me don't think for the better. But the thing that really has been, I take most of my shorts is the people. The people that I've worked with there over the years have, have been so good, and it's been uh, uh, such an experience for me, and I'm thankful uh, for the time that I've spent there in shorts. So another first, just uh, the first time that I, I really felt a challenge uh, from, from God's Word, I realized actually um, very soon that, that I needed to be baptized. And really, really, a baptism, we believe in a baptism by immersion. And really, it's just a, an outward, outward sign of an inward experience. And so it represents us just dying to the old self and coming up out of the water and newness of life to live for the Lord. And I was at a baptismal service, and the, the preacher was speaking. I just shared from Matthew chapter 3. And really, in that there, uh, Jesus came to be baptized by uh, John, but John refused him, said, look, I can't baptize you. But the Lord Je- this is what the Lord Jesus said to him. Jesus said, suffer it to be so now, or if you want to put it, uh, let it be so now. And the Lord just spoke to me and said, look, Brian, it's time for you to be baptized. And so I followed the, the Lord through uh, the waters of baptism at that stage in Balmahinch Baptist. So then the next thing I was thinking about just was the first opportunity, first opportunities I got to serve. As I mentioned, the BB had a big influence in my life, so I believed that I should put something back into that. So I served as a leader over in Spa Boys Brigade uh, for a number of years. And really, my main reason for that was I'd, that's where I'd heard the gospel first, and I felt that, that I wanted to share that same gospel with the young men in particular from that area, and that was uh, a great privilege and a great joy to do that uh, for many years. Through different circumstances, uh, God led me to the church here in Samfield, and that's been my spiritual home uh, for over 30 years now, and and say many happy memories of the church here in Samfield. But the Lord's given me opportunity uh, to serve here. Firstly, whenever Pastor Scott uh, was here, and he was such a great encouragement to, I know many here, but he was such a, a great encouragement to me. So patient with me, I had all these questions, and he patiently listened. I'm sure at times I was at his house asking him questions. I am sure he could have thrown me out, but he was so patient and gracious with me and helped me. But he also gave me opportunity to serve. Maybe on a Wednesday night, we're just going out of the prayer meeting, and I just would have said to you, you give a wee word at the table on Sunday morning, or would you give a wee children's talk? He didn't get as much notice as some of the rest of you guys get here now, but, um, but he was a great encouragement and gave me opportunity just to do those things, and you certainly could never have felt as if I could have said no to him. One of the other things I remember back in those days too, the church was starting a children's meeting, and the elders approached myself and Derek Fulton to ask us would we take on leading the children's meeting. Now, the ironic thing about that was I'd actually never been in a children's meeting before, so my background, I hadn't grown up in a children's meeting, so really had to find out what a children's meeting was about. Uh, but Derek said he knew how it, was, how it ran, so I would come alongside him and help that. And we, we got involved in the, in the children's meeting many years ago in that. And one of the other interesting things about that was, again, I didn't really grow up learning a lot of scripture verses, but in our children's meeting, we teach the children the scriptures. So really, as I taught the children the verses, I was learning them as well. And I can 
remember in the car actually having wee post-its on the dashboard of a ver- maybe a verse that I was trying to learn. And I wasn't what, looking at it as I was driving along, but um, I had it there just then, would have been learning verses, which is so important again uh, for us to learn Scripture. Again, our, our Alec Reid then asked me, again, Alec was a great encouragement to He asked me to take on a Sunday school class. Uh, Tom was heading off to Scotland, and I took over Tom's Sunday school class and then that moved into teaching the Bible class, the young people's Bible class, and I did that for many years. And again, that was such a great privilege uh, to be able to teach the young people. And actually, to be honest, I learned so much myself that as, as I get into the scriptures and I studied to prepare, which I had to do, um, that was, uh, helped me a great deal in my own uh, Christian uh, walk as well. And next week, title I've got in here, and uh, it brings a smile, but it's first family. Um, not that I've had two families, okay, just the one, but it was just to keep us sort of on the same track and on the same things. But uh, I met a young lady from Lisburn, and the ironic thing about that, actually, the, the first night Heather was at Samefield here, I was actually giving my testimony. So and I'm not sure if that's the last time I did it, but that was over 30 years ago. So, and the other strange thing about that was too, through sort of mutual friends, they had actually sort of sort of tried to match us up and not try to bring us together, but suggested that we would have made a, a good couple. But really, that that the timing obviously was in the Lord's hands. We we first of all I have to say we we first became close friends. That's how it all started off. We became close friends, and we're still close friends. Then we came, so the term is, you use an item now? Is that the right term? I don't think you used that term then, but we became an item. And then it took me a while to pop the question. I didn't rush into things. Okay, but once I made my mind up then, I was ready to move quickly. So I eventually popped the question. And um, once we got, uh, we got engaged, then we were married within uh, six months uh, later. And the, the Verse on our order of service was this from Psalm 18. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. And that's so true in every aspect of our lives. As for God, his way is per, uh, perfect. So God entrusted us with three precious children. And it's good to have them with us tonight, Johnny, Andrew, and Bethany. And then I should say Lily was added to our family last summer whenever she got married to Johnny as well. So, and our desire for you is that you would know God's purpose and plan for your life, and that you would live to fulfill it. So really, our, us, our desire for you has always been our desire for you. We've, we've desired many other things for you, but primarily that you would know God's purpose and plan for your lives and seek uh, to live it. Just a couple of more firsts for you. I will be into the three hours that Adrian had mentioned. Uh, again, one of the things probably it's maybe worth mentioning is first illness. In my late teens and early 20s, I'd sort of battled with probably what was uh, termed now irritable bowel. And just again, it it was a bit of a nuisance for me in the first place. But that that came to a head in my mid-20s. I became quite unwell, lost quite a wee bit of weight, which I could probably do without using now. But at that time, I didn't need to lose it. And I was eventually diagnosed with uh, Crohn's disease. That was about a year uh, before we got married. So Heather still married me after finding that out, which was good. But it, and it's a terrible disease for so many people. It can be life-changing, really does have a nasty impact. But I'm thankful that it's really been very stable for me over the years. As I say, just keep taking the tablets. And probably the biggest challenge uh, regarding it is really the side effects of the medication, but they work, so I keep taking them anyway. It did require surgery, as some of you probably remember. I think I was around uh, 2012. I haven't just looked the exact date of that up. Um, I had sort of fairly major surgery at that time. It was preventative surgery. So I went into hospital feeling great, and I came out feeling terrible. 
So I, don't, I thought it was meant to be the other way around, but my experience was I went in feeling great and I came out feeling terrible, but very conscious of the Lord's hand upon me at that time. One of the things about it was that it was quite an emotional time in the sense that my family was young at that stage. I can remember that leaving them at home that, that day my parents come over to take them away. That's quite emotional as you head off knowing you're going to go through surgery and then Heather heading off that, that evening and knowing that surgery was ahead of you. But the thing that really sticks in my mind about that is the peace I had the morning of my surgery. It was really just conscious of the Lord's presence and that it was in his hands. And that was very conscious of the prayers and love of God's people at that time. So that, again, was the first experience of that. Uh, one other thing I should probably mention, and it's maybe not that easy to mention, but as many of you will know, I've also had some mental health issues, and these things are real. Uh, to be honest, far more difficult than the surgery, I have to be totally honest. It's not an easy experience to go through whenever you feel you're the head of the family. You're there to bring strength and stability to that, and that's gone. Uh, you have responsibility to bring leadership here in the church, and you're absent from that. Um, but really, I should say that I experienced the unconditional love of my family and of my friends and of this church, and I thank you for that at that time. It was a dark time, and ironically, the time when God seems furthest away is actually when he's closest. And whilst I wasn't conscious at that time, he was close by. And these things happen for a reason. Hopefully, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, and I'm a better leader in the church here as a result of all that we went through. Um, Paul says, Our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It seemed heavy at the time, but in the light of eternity, it was a light affliction. The final one, really, I just want to share with you is really my first calling. Um, another priv privilege has been, has been serving a church here in many different ways, but as an elder, uh, nearly for 20 years now. I can remember being approached by the, the then elders um, about coming on and had many reasons not to do it, plenty of reasons that I thought of not to do it. But the Lord confirmed to me from his word that that's uh, what I should do. Um, after his resurrection, the Lord uh, met with Peter, who had denied him three times. And he said this to him, this is what God spoke to me from, and he says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And really, I had all these excuses and the Lord said to me, Brian, do you love me? Do you trust me more than all these excuses? And so I actually decided that was where I should go. Peter goes on to, or the Lord goes on to say to Peter then, he says, feed my sheep. And that's what I felt called to do, to care for the flock here in, in Samfield. Uh, Ian mentioned about the sheep this morning, but I felt responsible for caring for the flock here. And you know what God calls us to do, he equips us to, for and really has given me, I believe, a heart for the people here and a love for you, God's people here in the same field. I've tried to serve you uh, as on to the Lord over the years. What about the future? Well, here's Paul's advice. Um, what Paul says about himself, he says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth onto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. Not resting, on what I might perceive to have been past successes, but forgetting the many failures and regrets that I have, we press on for the prize that the Lord has for us. just want to, as we close, um, share a few thoughts around uh, one verse, and it's Galatians 2 and verse 20, and I'm not going to say very much about it because our time is nearly gone, 
But um, and it's a verse I've already quoted, and it says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I've already quoted that. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Three things very quickly. I want you to see the person here is the Son of God. Mentions the Son of God. Who is that? Well, that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And, you know, for many today, you know, Jesus might only be a swear word. Uh, For others, you know, he might be some great historical figure. For others, they might consider him to be a great teacher. And others, they might even say, well, I'll go as far as saying he's a great prophet. But the Bible tells us that he is the Son of God. Uh, John, in his gospel, says, in the beginning was the Word. And that refers to the Lord Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So that tells us that Jesus was God himself. He demonstrated that and all he did. He demonstrated in his miracles. And even God opened the heaven and said, this is my beloved Son in whom... I am well pleased. But when you, whenever it says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, uh, was God, it goes on to say, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The one who was God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And that's the person I want you to meet. That's the person who's made the difference in my life, the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. But not only the person, we see the passion or the love of God, because it says the, love of, the Son of God who loved me that makes it personal. We all probably know John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that, that reminds us that God's love is universal. It applies to us all. But, you know, whenever we get saved, we need to make it personal. It is universal, but we need to make it personal. You know, he loves you, and he loves me tonight. And we need to come and trust him as our Savior. And that's what happened to me 40 years ago. And really, that's my experience of it. I knew something of the love of God. But that night, I realized it was for me. And I made it my very own by coming and trusting the Savior. So the person, the Son of God, the passion or the love of God. Thirdly, the price. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It says himself for me. That's substitution. Another place in the Bible we read, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. He took my place on Calvary's cross. He paid the price of my sin, what I deserved, he took, and I'm thankful for that. You know, we ask some, what is the price that we're willing to pay for something? And really, it likely depends upon the condition of it. Earlier this week, I was walking into work, and I didn't know this meeting was coming up whenever I was doing it, but I was walking into work. As, you know, as I mentioned, I work in shorts, so the aerospace industry. I was walking into work. There was this skip sitting, and there was this uh, skin of an engine in the cell. So you imagine the pod that sits around uh, the engine. And there was this skin, and it was beautiful and shiny looking, but it was in the skip. And I asked myself, wonder what, and there was a guy walking with me who was another Christian, and I said to him, I said, you know, there must be a message in that. So I thought never speaking tonight, but, you know, whenever I looked at that, something had happened to it. It got damaged. I don't know whether it was a new one that they were making and somebody drilled a hole or cut it in the wrong place. Basically, somebody then had taken, well, that's only fit for the skip. And it went into the skip, and it was scrap value. It would be recycled, okay, but basically it was scrapped value. You know, before that became damaged, somebody would have been willing to pay maybe tens of thousands of pounds for it. But once it actually was damaged, once it was marred, it really nobody would have been willing to pay anything for it. You know, I just thought about that was, you know, 
we are damaged goods. We've been marred by sin, and yet the Lord Jesus was willing to pay a great price for us. Not because we were special, not because we were perfect, but because we were imperfect, and he was willing to go to the cross and there pay a great price for me, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I trust that even tonight through what we've shared that this might be a day you could look back to and realize maybe the Lord's been working in your life in other ways and things have been happening in situations, other things. The thing I really thought about as I thought about my testimony, just different contributions of different people. Somebody came along and had this influence, somebody had this, but the Lord brought them all together to bring me to that point of salvation. I trust if the Lord's been working in your life that you'll not put it off any longer, but this might be the night that you can look back and testify to the Lord uh, stepping into your life and saving you. We're going to sing together, I think, 371. Again, it's like a hymn of testimony, but really, this is where we need to come to. Lovely words in this. We really need to come to Calvary. That's where we could have come. Don't worry about what I've said tonight. Worry about Calvary and come and see the Lord Jesus dying on Calvary's cross. There's three verses. Let's sing. Standing to sing uh, 371, I think it is in the book, or uh, it's on the overhead. <laughs>